This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 76th edition of Sports and Stuff on RainierAvenueRadio.world. I have a very special guest today, Ian Furness. Ian is a longtime sports radio host at Seattle's KGR AM 950. Ian's been involved in many other sports media activities as well. Before I go further with this interview with you, Ian, uh, I want to recognize my engineer today, Lucius Tenebris. Lucius does a lot of stuff at Rainier Avenue Radio. He's also hosted a show here. He's always available to help. Our sports department has uh, some good shows. Rick Dupree hosts a show. Granville Emerson and Ronald Laurent host a show. Uh, Lidline Sports. Um, Mazvita Marari hosts a show, Seattle Sports Weekly. We have uh, Mark Bryan hosts a fitness-based show. Um, sports and Stuff show. My show's been around now since 2017, having a lot of fun. Most of my interviews on my website on Mixcloud, and we're continuing to put them up on the Rainier Avenue Radio.World website. Well, Ian, let me get back to you. Ian Furness grew up in the Seattle area. He's been at Seattle's KGR Sports Radio now since about 2006. He's also worked in Salt Lake City and Portland as a broadcaster. Ian works as a Seahawks game day correspondent on Channel 13 in Seattle. He's covered hockey and so many other sports. The son of a broadcaster. He's also the father of a star high school athlete. Ian's a real sports guy. Well, Ian, before I get this interview really going, I, I just want to mention something about you and our ties. And this, I, I really want to emphasize that my show is about my guests and about subject matters we discuss. I try not to talk about myself that much, but, you know, we all slip sometimes. And I met Ian back in the 2007 days when I was involved in Save Our Sonics as a fan. And Ian kindly invited me to come on his show to comment on some of the legalities of the um, relocation battle. And Ian invited me to come back multiple times. A few other shows invited me as well. And it went on for several years when I was uh, kindly invited to participate in some interviews. So I just want to mention this, that when I was going coming on Ian's show back in the 2007, 2008 days, I got to know Tony Benton, Ian. And Tony, as I think you know, was your colleague for a long time at KGR. He hosted a Sunday night show, and he was a community relations guy at KGR. As I was getting to know Tony, um, we, we established a tie, and then years later, Tony asked me to host a show on Rainier Avenue Radio. I was like, really, me? And he goes, no, I want you to give it a try. And it's been an unexpected middle-aged development. And I just want to share, Ian, that I don't think this whole experience I'm having would have ever happened if you had not invited me to participate in interviews uh, many, many years ago. So I just got to mention, you have a link to the Sports and Stuff show, Ian Furness. <laughs> well, I wish, I wish that the link wouldn't have come at the expense of losing our NBA team. Because I think that if we connect all the dots, that's what ended up happening. Because I met you through, as you mentioned, the the Sam Arsonics days and going through that whole process. And, uh, and that was, you know, it was great to get to know you guys and Brian Robinson, but obviously uh, we did not get the outcome we would hope for uh, with the team ended up uh, leaving to Oklahoma city, but uh, it's great to hear from you. And yeah, we, you and I have stayed connected at least through texts and so forth over the last, you know, decade plus. So it's great to hear you from you. No doubt about it, Ian. And, and again, I'm not making it out that I'm, you know, CNN or from ESPN or Fox or any big network guy. But I just, I had to throw out, you have a little link to uh, this Rainier Avenue radio show, Ian. So I really <laughs> mean that. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on Sports and Stuff, Ian. Well, my my pleasure. Good to be here, Paul. Ian, I'm going to start with this first question. I asked Softy this question recently. I asked uh, a couple other guys, you know, Dave Sims and Dave Grosby, this question. And I'm going to give you the answers that these aforementioned guys gave. Um, Dave Sims answered Sandy Koufax's question. Softy answered Tiger Woods. Dave Grosby answered Floyd Merriweather. Who is a living sports figure that you would like to interview that you have never interviewed? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, you know, Tiger would come to mind. I think uh, near the top of the list. I'm just kind of as I'm just kind of scrolling through. This is sure because it's unscripted, so I have no. I, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I, I. You know, I would think maybe a, a Tiger would. You know, it's here's a, here's one that's interesting. Uh, Russell Wilson, I talked to one on one probably. You know two or three times after games, just you mentioned the Seahawks game day stuff with, uh, with the Q13. And, and so with my job with them and, and then just covering training camp and practices and stuff, you know, you get, you know, a handful, especially because we're the Seahawks station and, and their TV partner, we get, I get a handful of opportunities to, to do a little bit more intimate interviews with Russell, but they're always post. Sure. I would I would almost say Russell Wilson from this standpoint, if I could have a Russell Wilson interview, that was really truly like okay I'm going to ask you stuff that's not scripted it's it's just it's off off the board a little bit I, I mean I I think I'd like to get to know Russell Wilson a little bit yeah great answer great answer yeah I don't I don't think we know who he is uh, I I mean listen I'm around him as I mentioned a lot um, I don't I've seen him down I've seen him with his guard down one time. Uh, and that was in his golf tournament a handful of years ago. And, you know, I, I'm going to say like five or six years ago, probably. And Jason Puck and I were doing a show the first year he had his golf tournament up at Sankadia. And it was during a time when he was negotiating his, his second contract. And it was rather contentious and, and at times acrimonious, uh, the relationship between him and the Seahawks during that, that time before he got it done right before camp. And just off the air, off the record, a couple things were said, and and I that's about the one time I've seen him like, wow, that's that's the real Russell Wilson, but you don't see that too often. So I would say maybe if I could, you know, a sit down, you know, Russell Wilson interview where he's just himself, because I don't know who he is. I don't think any of us know who he really is. Love the answer. I'm going to throw out a name in, and this guy is not an athlete. I think David Falk would be a fascinating guy to interview. Well, if you want to go off that script, yeah, I think Kim, um, I think Scott Boris would jump up as well. Um, sure. You know, there's guys like you know Gary Bettman, uh, who's been in his position forever. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different guys like that. If you, if you want to go kind of off the board, off the athlete board, yeah, there's a bunch of guys like that. You no know, doubt I, about I it. I don't know if you could ever get it. Yeah. Pete Carroll would come to mind. Pete Carroll, uh, no doubt. Uh, like your feedback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's, I, I think all those things, but it, it would be hard. I mean, you got to find a guy, Paul, honestly, that that you you know that you see all the time, but you don't really know him, right? You just don't really know who he is. So I, I, when I think of like doing a true interview, that's what I'm thinking of. Love it. Uh, and here's my next question: Here, who is a sports deceased sports figure in history that you never had a chance to interview? Who either was alive during your lifetime, or maybe had passed even before your lifetime, you would have loved to have interviewed. Uh, well, I mean, Jackie Robinson probably be at the top of the list. Um, you know, Muhammad Ali, uh, who I ran into and met when I was working as a, uh, producer at Como TV back in the, the late eighties, early nineties. But, you know, he was already kind of, he was already down the down, downward slide in terms of the Parkinson's and everything else. Uh, but those two guys probably near the top of the list would be no be, doubt. You know, a great answer. Ty Cobb would have been interesting. Robinson. Yeah, Ty Cobb would be good. Um, yeah, gosh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of guys from, you know, you go back to, to yesteryear, but I, you know, Lou Gehrig uh, certainly would come to mind. Uh, sure. Um, 
You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. A lot of old baseball guys. Certain, Vince Lombardi would be fun. Another great answer. I love Robinson and Ali, uh, no doubt. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with a KGR Sports Radio host, Ian Furness. Ian, you grew up in a Magnolia family. You have quite a few siblings. And I want you to share with us a little bit about the influence that your late dad, uh, Seattle media figure, Milt Furness, has had in your career. And tell us a little bit about your influence, your mother, Carol, who I know a little bit, and your wife has had in your career and some other family members. Well, you know, I was uh, – it, it's odd because people always, you know, you, like, how do you get into the business that I'm in right now? Well, I, I kind of look at it like I have I have two businesses that I'm in. One, maybe even three, when I do the hockey play-by-play, you know, we do the package with the Peepers and the Winterhawks in Portland WHL thing. But, um, in fact, we'll just start there because I got into broadcasting, uh, like, on air. My first on-air gigs were – with KVI radio and I was doing Thunderbird games back in uh, the early nineties. And I started doing some color with them. I was working at Como as a producer and I'll get back to that in a second, but I was doing that. And I said, I started doing some, some stuff with Rich Waltz who does stuff with CBS sports and CBS sports network. Now he was doing Thunderbird games along with Dennis Bayak who's now the voice of the Winnipeg jets. And I was doing like, you know, between period stuff and a little bit of color with those guys on KVI. And then uh, I, I started doing I got the play-by-play gig in 92 uh, with the T-Birds, and that was kind of an influence on my grandfather. He was a hockey player from Canada, um, played hey. semi-pro, um, and, uh, and you know my mom's dad. And so he was that influence in that, in that part of my world. As far as just the overall broadcasting, it was certainly my dad. He was, um, you know, he's as long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, he was anchoring the news on Como and, you know, doing one of the first morning newscasts in town so we did that for years and then did some weekends and nights and other things and reported and and you know on when he worked weekends he would be kind enough he'd take me in i'd, I'd get to go into the station for a while uh just hanging out at the tv station i was just enamored with with everything there whether it was the equipment the cameras you know not so much being on tv but the making of tv i think mm-hmm. and you know the right and the, my mom's a you know i mean paul you know my mother she's a She's a, she, both my mom and dad were journalism majors at, at the Seattle U and uh, my mom is a, a great, great writer. I mean, she's a, she's a really talented writer and, and never really pursued it probably to the level she should have uh, with five kids. It was probably impossible, but right. Um, you know, and, and I, I could never even come close to writing in the same realm of her as her. She was more of a print journalist. My dad was a trained journalist, but ended up in broadcast journalism. So they were my influences there. And, and, uh, you know, and so I, you know, when I kind of, I, I went to school, not knowing what I wanted to do at Wazoo, I didn't, I didn't major in comm. I was a poli-sci major. I, I changed majors three or four times, but, um, I found political science were, were classes I liked to take. I actually went to class and enjoyed them. <laughs> and, and, and I was, I started working at the TV station at Como when I was 18. Um, you know, my dad opened the door and, and, uh, you know, but I had to, I had to, I had to, keep, you know, had to keep that door open. So I started at the lowest of the low. I'm literally, you know, picking up and carrying cables across town and, you know, rolling up spools of, uh, of 200 yards of, of back then we call it coax, which is a combination of, uh, a video and audio cable. I mean, it was, it was true, true grunt work, bottom of the barrel stuff. And I started doing that uh, when I was 18, worked my way up. And, and I, you know, when I went to college, it's like it made no sense to take comm classes. I was already editing tape on my own and at Como and, you know, learning on the fly. And I could shoot, I could edit, I could do everything like that. So 
Um, I was a poli sci guy, but got out of school, started working as a producer at Como, a sports producer, after working in the live truck, built a live truck for like two years. Um, back in the day when we all had microwave trucks, you see those things with the big things on the top. And I drove one of those and then ended up in sports producing and then wanted to get on the air. So that's where the hockey ended up coming to play. And then ended up going to Tri-Cities to do TV and radio for hockey on the Salt Lake to do the same Portland and got into sports radio in Salt Lake and then ended up in Seattle. It's funny though, because when I got out of college and when I first started my career, there was no such thing as sports radio. And, right. Uh, I mean, just, it didn't exist. That format did not exist. It was not even something people talked about. And here I am doing it uh, for 20 plus years. But, uh, and you know, I, I will tell you this, Paul, you know, when you talk about the influence, anytime I call a hockey game, I think of my grandfather, um, and I'm lucky enough, although things are different now, uh, but most, most of the time I'm filling in at Q13 on the anchor desks, uh, anchoring sports. I usually during the off season, Seahawks off season, on a normal year, do it once or twice a week, uh, when Aaron has a day off or what have you. And, uh, there's never a day when I sit on that anchor desk and do the sports cast tonight that I don't think of my father. So they, they've, they've all been influences on me for sure. Multifaceted influences. I like it. I, I love you sharing more about your grandfather as well. And Paul Schnabel again on sports and stuff on, uh, Rainier Avenue right with Ian Furness. Ian, I, I got to throw in a pandemic question here. I, I told Sasha the same thing. I interviewed him last week, and I was spending the whole interview talking about the pandemic. But let me let me get a question on it. And the NBA suspended their season back in about March 11th. The NHL suspended their season about the same time. So it's been, been about two and a half months now of uh, very little in the American sports world. Would you say the biggest American sports story the last two and a half months is the Last Dance ESPN documentary? Yeah, probably. I guess in the sense that it's it's the it's the most. I don't know if it's the biggest story. It's it's maybe the biggest topic of conversation. Sure. Um, I think is how I phrase it. I think the biggest story is what's going on right now. I think you know with with sports as a whole, you know, will they come back or will they not? The infighting among baseball owners and players, uh, the the push for the uh, for, for hockey and, and the NBA to return, what's going to happen with college football and the NFL and all those. I think those are the biggest stories per se. But as far as the, if I'm looking at what the you know the the, the, the biggest topic, the hottest topic, the most talked about thing certainly was last dance. Yeah, last sure. dance, right, right. And who would have thought, Ian, who would have thought in 2020, who would have thought like at this time last year that when the biggest sports dis- discussions going on right now is relitigating all these 1990s NBA issues? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I, You know, that was also, though, the glory days of the NBA in so many ways. I, I, there's something that, you know, when you asked me earlier about about what I wanted to, you know, who would who would we interview? I mean, you know, guys we'd be interviewing, you know, for the most part, I, I would go back in time a little bit with people that, you know, um, you know, at least in terms of athletes that aren't here. I mean, you know, you talk about the, the Jackie Robinsons or whoever, and there's a there's a lore to uh, and a and a lure, I think, to you know something that we didn't see firsthand, you know, that we only lived through in terms of watching it on television, whether it's you know you and me watching black and white highlights of of baseball way back when, or, you know, the Will Chamberlain in the NBA and, and, and so forth. I mean, I'm a big hockey guy. I mean, I can just think of the old, you know, the original six and, you know, what it looked like to watch uh, Maurice Richard and, and guys like that way back when. And, 
you know, I think for many, my son's 17, he's, you know, there's Michael Jordan's still a big deal. Um, and to really get to know him, at least, you know, in, in whatever fashion that was, whether, you know, he had the last say or not, it's probably relevant in some ways, but, you know, to get to know Michael Jordan and, and what that team is all about and who they were and what they were about, uh, there was something pretty cool about that. It's kind of their version of the black and white era, I think, for you and me. A lot was going on in the NBA in the 90s, no doubt about it. Paul Schneiderman again, Sports and Stuff with Ian Furness. Yeah, we got, believe it or not, maybe just eight or nine minutes left. I just can't believe how fast these 27 interviews interviews go. Um, Ian, I remember years ago you interviewed Chris Van Dyke. And normally your style, Ian, your very professional style, you ask good questions, you, you, you keep things uh, civil. But I remember in that interview, and you got pretty fired up. Was that one of your more fired up interviews ever, the one you did with the stadium critic Chris Van Dyke many years ago? Yeah, what was his – was it Citizens for Better Things or some more important things? Is that what his – Yeah, it was probably 2009-ish, 2010 era. I remember yeah. you were interviewing him, and I, I vaguely remember he said something about the Blazers franchise, and I think you were working for the Blazers then, and you really stood yeah. up for a lot of the employees, the Blazers. I, I just remember you got really fired up. Was that one of your test well, interviews ever? Yeah, but I, yeah, and it's probably the one of the few times – Probably a few times I went into an interview that, and, and I just kind of told myself, "This is I'm, I'm going to go on the attack," um, <laughs> and I'm just I, I I don't ever I can't ever recall another interview where I literally where I went into it and and you know basically my plan was to was to go after the guy, um, you know yeah you mentioned it. I mean I when I interview somebody we all have different interview styles, um, you know I do it differently than a lot of guys in radio because I also do it in television. But I think if you watch my post game interviews with the Seahawks, um, I, I have a different style with that as well. I want to have more of a conversation. Uh, I want to try to get a little bit more out of the guys than just, uh, yeah, you know, both teams play hard, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I don't want that. I want more than that. And so it's usually, I usually try to have more of a conversation with somebody as well as asking, you know, and I think you still have to have, ask a question, you know, the, you know, Hey, you know, the, the, you know, a lot of guys in our business, they kind of leave stuff open. And, and I do the same. We all do the same. But you have to ask a question. With Chris, I was so, I was so offended by, by everything about him and his, his stance and the people that supported him and his group. You know, everything about it to me was offensive. And part of it was is, you know, I, I worked for a team. I worked for the Seattle Thunderbirds for – you know, for a couple of years, but one of those years in the off season, I worked trying to sell tickets and advertising and all that kind of stuff. And so I worked in the front office and I know how hard those guys work. Uh, when I was in Salt Lake City, um, I went there to be the play-by-play guy for the for the AAA hockey team, AHL, IHL team. Utah Grizzlies were a farm team for a number of teams in the years, the Islanders and the, the LA Kings, Dallas Stars. But, um, you know, and so I worked in the rink in the building in, in Salt Lake. It was a brand new building. It was the one that they ended up being the hockey venue in 2002. And I did PR for them, same thing in Tri-City. So I did PR, and, and I worked in a front office for a team. So I've done that, you know, for three years, five, probably eight years of my career total, eight or nine years I've worked in the front office. So I understand better than most people in the media, certainly, I believe, and, and not to be condescending, but I think I understand better what it's like to work for a franchise. And... And so when someone tells me that, that, you know, those people who are grinding away and selling tickets and doing corporate advertising and 
and you know, and day-to-day stuff, PR, whatever it might be. When you tell when you tell me that that what they do is not important, I, I take offense to that. Uh, I take a huge offense to that, and so I yeah, I went after him hard that day. It's probably the one time I've done that that I can think of, and you know, he just to me was everything about him and everything about that process was offensive. Everything about that was insulting. To to under to not understand the importance of a team in a community, especially one that had been there for at that time. You found that very shallow. Years. I I just well I, I found it shallow and I found it offensive. And gotcha. I find it offensive. I'll, I'll tell you this, Paul. I I find it offensive today when I hear people, especially in my business in sport in media and sports media, when I hear people say the the line and, and these are quotations. It's just sports. Okay. There's nothing about it's just sports that makes sense to me. Nothing. There's nothing about that that makes sense because people have their livelihoods tied to the sports, first of all. That's first and foremost. I mean, you know, as we tape this, it's the day after the Oakland A's, the chiefest organization of sports laid off and furloughed a ton of people that I just talked about. Um, it's not just sports for them. It's a livelihood. The, Mariner, the, the people in the front office of the Seattle Mariners have been taking pay cuts now for the last few weeks, right? Uh, you know, so you're trying to make ends meet. It's just sports. The games aren't being played. It's more than just sports for them. It's a, it's a livelihood, and it's also really a no lifestyle. Doubt. If you're working, if you're working in sports, and honestly, Paul, if you're playing sports, you mentioned my son. For kids, you know, luckily, knock on wood, he's got a senior year still coming. What about the kids that played sports last year that wants an opportunity to play, you know, a last season of high school baseball, or run track, or, or boys soccer, or whatever it was. It's not just sports. So when Coach oh, sure. Van Dyke and others say it's just sports, eh, it's not just sports. Absolutely. Well, my late grandfather, you know, was a poor Eastern European Jewish immigrant from the Ukraine, and he got a football scholarship at the University of Washington. I mean, I don't know what my grandfather would ever have been able to go to college, you know? Well, but and Paul, that's a great point because with the pandemic and what's going on, you know, and the, and the, the possible cutbacks of, of, you know, whether it be football or women's tennis or the not especially the non-revenue sports you know you start losing some of those how many kids that that you know that's a whole different world it's a whole different podcast but you know the the whole pay for play argument i get that there should be some additional compensation but my goodness your grandfather is a great example how many kids are going to college right now on an athletic scholarship full or partial athletic scholarship that wouldn't have been able to afford to go there if, if not for that so, no, yeah, I always keep that in mind. Right, right. Ian, we got time for maybe two more questions. Lucius just texted me. We're at about the five-minute mark now. Let me package a couple yeah. more questions, and I would love to get you back one day if you would ever be up for it. But sure. um, you're a big hockey guy, and 2021, the NHL is coming to Seattle. What are just um, – real quickly, what are some practical tips you can give – to people such as myself who don't know the sport of hockey that well, G- give me a couple like hockey for dummies or hockey for idiots tips, Ian. It, it's at the end of the day, Paul, it's a pretty simple game. Like most games, whoever puts the puck in the opposing team's net, the most wins. <laughs> okay. Honestly, um, you know, I, I would say uh, we actually have, a, it is still on the Q13 website. If you go to Q13 uh, Fox.com uh, and type in hockey school, we did a whole series of hockey 101. That's, that's really, I thought pretty good in terms of explaining the game. But I mean, the biggest thing is, is just, I, I would go to a T-Bricks game or a silver tips game. Honestly, next year, make a plan to go to one of those games, go to a game, go to two games they are affordable. They're fun. The family entertainment, go to a game and watch a game 
and 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 you'll and you'll have my apologies for the dog. Um, the uh, you'll have an opportunity to kind of get a feel for the game. But watch that on Q13 on our website, and and then go to a game or two, and you'll get a better feel for what it's all about. Good I, good suggestions, Ian. Um, real quickly, Softy and Dick Fane the other day had a chat about the possibility of the University of Washington, Washington State University not being in the same athletic conference at some point in the years to come. Uh, Softy is really against the idea. I don't like the idea of Washington State and Wazoo splitting up. Dick was more favorable to the idea. He's a diehard Cougar guy, big Wazoo guy, Ian. How do you feel about the idea of Washington State and Washington possibly not being in the same conference? Well, Softy's a realist, and Dick is an elitist and a typical Washington (laughs) snob, so – uh, I don't. I wow! Wow! From him, I expect nothing less from Fane. He's got a disdain for the school. That's fine. I, I, I get it. He didn't have fun in college. We did. So, um, wow. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's the way. How that's how he operates. I, Softy's right. I, you know, I was in Salt Lake when there was a lot of talk about BYU and, and Utah breaking up and splitting up and going to different conferences. At the time, they were in the Mountain West together, a conference they formed really as the two lead dogs. They both left the WAC and started and formed the Mountain West. Uh, and then what was it, the mid to late 90s, I guess it was. And it was always important for those two to be in the same conference. You know, for Washington, Washington State, for Oregon, Oregon State, uh, I think it's because I think those are the ones that would be affected um, if there was a change. You know, Oregon State and Washington State, top of the list, would be the ones that would be affected by, by any type of, you know, massive landscape change in college athletics. I, I just, I, I, it would be horrible on a lot of levels. Um, and it's not just football, you know, I mean, let's, there's, there's other rivalries involved and the in-state rivalries are involved. Um, let's remember, first of all, and this is something that I just is, it's mind boggling to me how many smart people just forget about what the conference is all about. You know, the SEC may be a, a little bit different than others. I mean, they brought in Missouri and Texas A&M, I mean, for whatever reason, but it yeah, got back 30 seconds. Look, keep, keep going. Okay. What's the Pac-12 all about? The Pac-12 is still about academics first and foremost, and it's about research institutions, and it's about the presence of the school. That's why I don't think it's ever going to happen. I hope you're right. I want to keep Washington State Wazoo together. Ian, I really appreciate doing this interview on sports and stuff. It's you and I stay in better touch, and I hope to get you back one day. Uh, My pleasure, Paul. Thank you. You take care. Thank you.